you really have to go into adventure sports with a mindset that you are there, you're going to make your own decisions and you're going to live and die by your own decisions. And people that can give you input, whether they have more experience or not, all it is is input. In the end, you are going to live and die by your own decisions. Episode 125, a holiday flashback episode with Tom Benson and Element Parks. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun. This is a flashback to episode 17, where I spoke with Tom Benson about Element Parks. Element Parks are a great place to take your family so you can all experience adventure together. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. Tom Benson is the CEO of Wild Play, where they operate Element Parks in six Canadian locations. Tom made his living as a mountain guide for 15 years before his passion and skills sparked the idea to start an adventure-based company. Tom, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Travis. I'm happy to be here. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and give our listeners some of your climbing history? Yeah, well, uh, I started... uh almost foolishly uh, climbing when I was uh, quite young. Uh, mostly uh, those early adventures involved uh, my brother and I uh, getting into uh, cliffs in the Gatineau Hills in, in Quebec and Canada and uh, climbing ourselves into positions where we were probably hugely at risk, being terribly frightened um, and managing to climb our way out of that. Um, we did a whole bunch of that uh, uh, you know, probably in our early teens. And then when we moved to Western Canada, uh, I decided to get a lot more serious about it and uh, did a bunch of reading, took some courses. Um, and then by the time I was in uh, high school, I was teaching climbing. Um, and back at that time, you know, people were still making their own nuts to play some cracks. And, you know, there were, things were still pretty uh rustic and archaic in terms of the equipment that you, you had uh, to work with. And uh, so I went out and had a, a ton of adventures. Um, and again, I probably found myself in over my head in everything from ice climbing to rock climbing uh, to some mountaineering and decided to go take some training courses to up my skills and uh, hung out with folks that had more experience that I, than I did and learned a ton there. Uh, and then sort of armed with that and, and uh, a boatload of time to go off and uh, uh, play and learn, uh, I climbed my brains out for years and uh, then decided to uh, start teaching uh, you know, more as a career choice and uh, start guiding as a career choice and entered into uh, the program and become a certified mountain guide and, and then guided for years all over North America. What would you tell any listeners that were looking into getting into climbing? What would you say to encourage them to go ahead and try it? 
Uh, I think it's really important to, it doesn't matter whether it's climbing or whatever it is, it's to maintain that beginner's mind. Um, I think, and by that I mean the beginner's mind is, is kind of that, that fun, uh, happy, uh, you know, super inquisitive, excited mind, but it also is that, uh, that mind that stays alert, um, that doesn't uh, you know, bump into that intermediate concept of like I've got it all figured out or whatever. Um, Because that's where accidents happen, really, I think, is where folks really start to let their guard down. So keeping that beginner's mind and to realize that the people that you're with, adventure is going to be different for everybody. And I think uh, if you can revel in that uh, and understand that as you become better, it'll stay fun and adventurous. And then as you become like I am, you know, you're on the decline, you're getting into those later years where you're not pushing the envelope so much you kind of are coming back to that beginner's mind again and it's, it's, uh, you're just as happy. It just, it keeps it all in the right perspective. You're there for fun and enjoyment of, of the people, the surroundings, the activity. It doesn't matter what it is. Right. And that feeling of, uh, finding something new to do, uh, new to try keeps you going off into other, other sports as well. You have quite a, a list of activities that you've done over the, over your years. Yeah, I, I, uh, you know, I kept discovering new things. Um, you know, probably, oh gosh, it would have been in about my fourth year of guiding. Um, every year we would uh, head off, and uh, as a group, the guides in our company, we would uh, go and learn from somebody else who would teach us something that was, uh, you know, high risk or, or high intensity. Um, and, and we would be guided versus being the guides for a change. And, uh, one year we went off to, uh, try paragliding. And this is back in the early days of paragliding. Um, it was w- one of the most hilarious experiences, you know, really, uh, it was phenomenal. It got me totally excited about it. But I also realized at that point that, you know, I was still young enough. My testosterone levels were still high enough. I kind of, went, mm, you know, I don't have enough of an off switch. If I engage in this sport, I'm probably going to become, you know, road paced at some point. I might want to wait until I'm a little bit older before I, I come at this. And I don't think that's the case for everybody. But for me, I recognized that I felt like I needed more judgment. So I came back to it years later. And there's a variety of sports that I've engaged in uh, that, are, that are like that, where I just try to make sure that my mind is in the same place as my skill and, and my body and um, and being really okay with uh, with backing off if if it's the wrong sport or the wrong time or whatever it happens to be. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you bring that up. I think uh, I think that really resonates, and it needs to resonate with a lot of people. When we get into these sports and hobbies, some of us can just take it overboard if we don't have a, a good, cool head on our shoulders about it and don't approach it the right way. We can we can definitely get in uh, well over our heads. I've I've seen myself do it in riding motorcycles and I've had to pull back and just kind of do a, a, a checkup on myself. You know, you get into a, a situation where you're just taking a little bit too much risk and whatnot. And I think if you, if you don't, or if you let that go unchecked, you can certainly get in a, in a lot of hot water very quickly. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, that's totally true. And I think your example of motorcycling is, is bang on. I ride bikes myself and, uh, you know, motorcycling is, uh, it can be kind of unforgiving in that uh, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen fast. And uh, I think it's important when those things 
you know, are going on uh, or they've gone on that you stop, you check in and you go, okay, what was I thinking there? Um, and I think uh, by the same token, actually, if you took that same sort of mentality that you have uh, for, you know, um, high intensity rock climbing or flying paragliders in turbulent conditions or riding motorcycles, you know, and the twisties where maybe there's lots of traffic or animals, you know, they're all pretty risky scenarios. Um, the decision-making that you apply in those uh, scenarios, your own sort of risk management approach, um, that that can just have so much payback in other parts of your life, i.e. business for one, um, you know, where you learn to, uh, you know, see an exit uh, that you might want to take. Uh, you know, if you're climbing up a mountain, you want to know where you're going to, you're going to have bailout points if you need to. You know, business requires that same mindset. So I find that a lot of these uh, high-risk sports translate really well into other areas for, for discipline around uh, decision-making, around risk management, uh, self-awareness, et cetera. It's pretty valuable. Right. I agree. Yeah, I mean, and it's the nature of adventure sports to tend to get in over our head a little bit. I mean, that's the, the point of the adventure, to go into the unknown, and you're not sure how it's going to end. But if you don't have the mindset to analyze you know, when something doesn't go right, if you can't sit there and reflect on the situation and learn from it, then then you ought to take a, a close look at you and why you're in doing that. And I think that's a very valuable lesson for anybody. How about an amazing experience that got you hooked on mountain guiding or climbing? Was there one story that just really sticks with you that you love to tell? Oh, gosh. They're... they're there probably isn't one. Um, I would I would have to say that uh, you know I, I was it was completely in uh, my bloodstream and my makeup you know uh, to climb uh, as I and the more I did the more I wanted it was like a bad drug in some ways or a good drug I guess um, in some ways um, but I would say if there was a solidifying uh, thing. Um, that really got me cranked up. It probably was uh, climbing in Yosemite um, and my first trip to Yosemite and just recognizing uh, the incredible opportunity there. You've got these massive granite walls with, you know, cracks that go on forever and, and difficulty that goes on forever. I climbed my brains out there to this day, you know, I'll always have Yosemite pictures all around me. I'm, you know, an Ansel Adams nut. It's just that place. Um, I would say for a climber, um, is certainly a passionate underpinning and it, and it, and it was for me. So I returned there, uh, every year, uh, for, for many years. Um, and, uh, to this day, it's still one of my favorite uh, memories around climbing, but whether it's big walls or, Small crags. Uh, Yosemite is a really phenomenal place um, to get your yayas off. Yeah, it seems like a phenomenal place to to climb down there. It's funny. I mean, so it sounds like you met your your love in Yosemite. And now that you say that, it's funny because the first time I learned about you guys up in Nanaimo is when my wife and I got uh, engaged. We got engaged at Yosemite. Uh, specifically, we were on a trip and happened to to come up and make our way up to British Columbia and uh, eventually go bungee jumping at your at your park up there. So it ties in nicely. A funny one to that is that 
I met my wife when I was guiding in Yosemite. She was climbing on another climb and she was uh, in a little bit over her head and, uh, and she was really super adventurous and she was doing her thing. And I happened to be in a great place to uh, offer some assistance. And so I did that. And that's where we connected and, and, uh, and fell in love. And, and then we visited together for years. So it was, it was great. It was fun. Oh, that's great. Good memories. So she found her knight in shining armor in the, the site of Half Dome is what you're saying? She did. She found her, her Canadian uh, good uh, mountain guiding dude. <laughs> that's a good way to do it. You, you off the, uh, right off the bat, you knew you had something in, in common. So you can't yeah. complain about that. It was good. What about a time when things didn't go right? In adventure sports, we're all out there to have fun. Um, but because they're adventure sports, not every outing goes the way we planned. So any good stories or memories about a time when you really found your found yourself in a bind? Um, well, I think probably one of the more um, valuable ones that I could share um, – it's not positive, but it's valuable. Um, you know, would be that when I started uh, climbing, uh, you know, I, I learned from great uh, guides and, and, and had a lot of great mentors. And as I started into the um, the mountain guiding certification program, it's quite stringent. It's quite difficult. And uh, in Canada, it uh, comes from a European background. Um, it's very, you know, it's it's just got a whole different way of delivering itself to the people that are in the program. Uh, it, it, and it's, and it was quite hard. And in that program, uh, well, I'll start by saying of the people that I started in the first part of my program with. So when I first started, uh, in that whole process, um, there was 10 of us, there are about four of us still alive. Um, and that's not necessarily through guiding. It's just that all of these people were in different high risk activities and they pushed the envelope in one way or another, or their exposure was so continuous that eventually the odds um, got them to some degree. And that's not a common story. It just happens to be the one that I experienced. Um, and I don't think it stopped any of us and our peers um, from continuing on. Where that leads me, though, is that, um, you know, one year in a guides exam, in a guides exams, you're often forced or asked to do things that would, wouldn't be necessarily how you would do it if you were guiding professionally, but you're asked to manage situations that are really um, extreme, just to see how you'll perform in an extreme scenario. And what I learned through some of these things that I saw out there in these programs was that some of these guys who were good guides um, made some incredibly huge mistakes, really uh, big ones. And uh, they, they kind of had me, me puzzled because I, I kind of went into that thinking, well, these are like gods. I mean, these people, are, they are, you know, they're phenomenal and they don't make mistakes. And it was quite an eye-opener to see fatal mistakes having been made at times um, in, in this environment. And it, it dr drilled home the concept that you really have to go into adventure sports with a mindset that you are there, you're going to make your own decisions and you're going to live and die by your own decisions. And people that can give you input, whether they have more experience or not, 
All it is is input. In the end, you are going to live and die by your own decisions. So don't lose sight of that when you look at these people that are super experienced. Um, don't lose sight of the fact that they make mistakes too. Go with you know your gut sense. And if there's doubt, back away. You know, um, because this isn't a dress rehearsal. And, and so, you know, I, I saw a fair bit of, of traumatic stuff happen um, in our industry, both with folks with a lot of experience and, and folks with none. Don't make the mistake of thinking that those gods um, uh, exist. They don't. They're, uh, they're just people and they make the same mistakes. Um, they're just, they shouldn't make as many, but they do make them. So keep questioning, I guess is what I'm saying. Always question. Yeah, I think that's a good point. On one side, we, of course, it's tragic, and we uh, we don't want to see events like that occur. But at the same time, if we we're crazy if we don't stop and evaluate them and learn from them. At the same time, you can be guided and have people instruct you, but if you're not following your own instinct, you know, at the the very core level, then then you're not doing it right. Yeah, and you you're gonna know. I mean, even you know, one step further than that, you're gonna you're gonna know when you're in. You know, there's that old saying in climbing. You know, if you if you think if you're questioning whether or not you should have a rope on, it's already too late. You should have. Right. <laughs> you know, I think you're gonna know a lot of times uh, when you know things might be out of control um, or you're getting into that ground. Like it, it, it's just keep questioning yourself. It doesn't mean go into things with the lack of confidence. It just means Keep your eyes open. Keep questioning. And that includes the people, right? The people, you know, how many times do people go to doctors and think, well, the doctor knows? Well, the doctor doesn't know. That You know, nine times out of ten, they're making the very best guess they can with the information they have. Um, they're doing the best they can. But, again, they're not gods. You know, it's just we're just still got to be going with what you think might be your choice, whatever it happens to be. Yeah, that's very true. For 20 years, Bent Gate Mountaineering has been outfitting climbers, skiers, backpackers, and outdoor enthusiasts with the gear they need. Whether climbing an 8,000-meter peak or buying your first backcountry ski setup, Bent Gate is here to help. Bent Gate is continuing to offer free BC 101 sessions this winter, teaching backcountry ski boot and binding setup, avi safety and beacon practice, clothing systems, and tips and tricks to make your days more enjoyable. If you don't own the gear, Bent Gate offers a full range of rental and demo equipment. Bent Gate also has free demo ski days at local resorts to give you a chance for hands-on experience. Be sure to check bentgate.com for our full product selection as well as updates on all these events. While doing your holiday shopping this season, be sure to stop by 180tac.com and pick up a camp stove for the adventurer on your list. The 180 stove and 180 flame are made right here in the United States and are sure to make your loved one a happy camper. Visit 180tack.com today. Tell us more about wild play. I alluded to coming up and, and doing some bungee jumping up in British Columbia, and I have to say that's some of the best money I ever spent, and I'm dying to come do it again. It was a blast. I loved it. It was 
I mean, it put my, my heart through my throat. Um, <laughs> but I loved every second of it. It was, it was amazing. So you have started wild play. It's an element park or a chain of element parks. Tell our listeners what an element park is. What's the whole gist of wild play? Well, wild play, uh, was formed uh, by my, my business partner and I, um, you know, the, the goal behind our company is to get folks realizing that they can step uh, out of their comfort zone and accomplish something that they didn't think they could do. And uh, what we've seen is, you know, adventure for someone who's uh, brand new, uh, a total beginner, um, maybe a radically different definition than someone who's experienced and has done all of X, Y, and Z. And even if you took two experienced people and threw them into new environments that require new things of them, they might have an equally intense amount of an adventure feeling through that. And so wild play was kind of our way of providing graduated um, feelings of risk to people uh, so that they could have to push themselves in order to accomplish the outcome. So jumping off of a perfectly good bridge, you know, with a bungee cord around your feet is not an easy thing to do. And, 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 you know, I can tell you, I own the company, uh, from its inception, I have, I wasn't able to jump until probably two years ago where I finally went, okay, you know, I got to do this. It's embarrassing that I haven't done it, but (laughs) it was completely contrary to, all of my good thinking, you know, about staying, you know, my whole career was about staying attached to a mountain or, or even flying a paraglider. People say, well, isn't that, it's like, well, but it's different because you have this sense of somehow you're in control. Bungee jumping is about giving away all control. The only control you have is whether or not you're going to actually lean forward and jump. And it was mind blowing. I mean, my sphincter was the size of a peanut standing up on the edge of that bridge. And, you know, everything that we do has been designed to create those kinds of outcomes in a graduated way for people. And, and uh, you know, an example of that, one day I was in the park, lady was uh, on one of our aerial adventure courses. So our parks have aerial adventure courses, they have zip lines, they have huge ginormous swings, they have um, canyon leaps, they have via ferratas, they have bungee jumps, they have all kinds of different activities. Um, A lot of them stem from, you know, kind of that climbing adventure background, same kinds of movements or requirements and mindset. Um, Anyway, this one day, lady's out there. She's very frightened. She's uh, essentially having a hard time at the very start of one of the adventure courses. And she's thinking that she needs to stop. And so I happened to be there and I said, you know, just just keep trying, you know, just keep going and, and smiling helps. It helps to reduce the stress, keep smiling, keep trying. So she went a little further and I bumped into her again. said, keep trying, keep smiling. Off she went. So I, I had to go and do uh, help some other folks. I didn't see her for a little while. And next time I saw her, she, she waved, she said, Hey, 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 I did it. I did the whole thing. And as she waved and raised her hand, I could see that she had a number written on the back of her hand. Well, the only time people get numbers written on the back of their hand at the site is when we put their weight on so we can judge what gauge of bungee cord we're going to use. Oh, yeah. They jump off the bridge. So this gal went from being afraid of heights and barely making it through the first part of an aerial adventure course, which is 15 feet off the ground, to jumping off of a 160-foot high bridge into a canyon. You know, So 
that to me is the epitome of success for us is, is seeing someone go through that. And our goal is to see people go from, you know, these experiences, these adventure experiences, and then go off and learn how to rock climb or go off and, you know, once you know you can do anything, well, then you can do anything. So go do it. <laughs> and there's a whole ton of stuff, you know, um, to get out there and do, whether it's flying a paraglider or climbing a rock face or you know, whitewater paddling or, or stand up paddle boarding, you know, to Antarctica and back, you know, I mean, there's a whole range of adventures, right? Right. Yeah, I get it now. I I didn't see it at first, but now listening to you, I realized that you, Tom, are a drug dealer. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly what. That's I exactly asked. what it is. So you get you lure somebody in there, and you say you're just going to have a little bit of fun, but they get that first shot of adrenaline, and then they say that felt good. I'm going to go try the next step up, and then the next step up, and the next step up. That's very dangerous. Yeah, you, you know the cool thing though is that they go off, and I get letters back from people. Um, our company gets letters back. They don't necessarily come to me directly. Um, where these folks have gone on and done, you know, like, yeah, I went on and then I did this and I did that and I climbed Everest last year. And you're like, wow. wow. You know, like it, it just, you, you know, adventure and access to adventure is about mindset more than anything else. And so, yeah, you know, I guess if we're dealing with a drug, it's, it's the mindset drug, you know, and it's just saying, you know, if you can do this, you can do anything. And, and, uh, you know, I'll go back to, I was super frightened to stand on the edge of that bridge and, and go and jump off of it. And I've stood on, you know, I've soloed rock faces and been thousands of feet up in the air and not had anywhere near the same utter terror that I had standing on the edge of that bridge. No, I know exactly what you're saying. I, I've not skydived yet. It's one of the things on my bucket list, but I have bungee jumped. And my experience with bungee jumping was you do have that initial hesitation when you're standing on that platform and you know there's a rope attached to your feet, but it doesn't really make a big difference in your mindset. But when you finally decide to go, there's, I would say it's about a 30 degree point where you somehow feel like you can always reach back and grab the rail or reach back and grab the platform. You wouldn't have to go. But once I passed that 30 degree point and I got to the the true point of no return when my, my, my brain said, oh crap, you know, and then you're plummeting down. It was the most amazing feeling because there's just, there's no, nothing there. And I think what I've heard, you know, what people have told me about skydiving is you get a similar feeling, except you have wind resistance and you, you actually fall out at an arc. You don't fall straight down because of the, the motion of the plane and that you have wind resistance. It's not quite the same fright factor as leaving the platform of bungee jumping. And then, like I said, that was the most amazing feeling and I'm dying to do it again and completely safe. Of course, um, you know, you, you guys took care of us. And like you said, you, you factor in everybody's weight before you go and you know exactly, you know, it's all calculated. Uh, but what a phenomenal experience. I think we're at 300,000 jumps or something like that now. And it's, it's just absolutely flawless. It's, it's, uh, it's funny, you know, honestly, uh, a lot of what we do is hocus pocus in that, you know, if you go that adventure is entering into an activity without a known outcome, you know, the reality is we know you're going to be okay. You know, it's just, you don't know that. And so, 
you're going to feel adventure. You're going to feel it in that primal part of your, your stomach, you know, that little adventure knot. It's going to say, don't know how this is going to work out. Um, and it's important. We don't get enough, you know, we don't get enough places in uh, our society anymore where we uh, get in touch with that, that primal feeling other than when we get type A driving in our car, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. We're not exposed to it and it's pretty healthy to be exposed to it um, in, a, in a healthy way. Yeah, I would agree. I, I joke around about the, the drug dealer thing, of course, but I think everybody needs to feel adrenaline, adrenaline in their life. It's, uh, yes. it is a great feeling and it, and you also get the, the, the feeling of having accomplished or conquered something. Yep, totally. You know, I, another sort of health thing. I was in a meeting with a bunch of uh, fellows uh, a couple nights ago. And one of them is, uh, he works, he's, he's quite connected in the health industry. Uh, and uh, one of the big studies that's come out is uh, that because we don't walk on any, one of the most important ways to keep your brain healthy, believe it or not, is to walk on uneven ground. Because the largest part of our brain actually functions for exactly that. It is made so that you can walk adeptly and move your body through space on uneven ground. And because we've homogenized all of our environments, we're not actually um, exercising that part of the brain. And so there's a direct relationship now, they're saying, between um, sort of mental health, dementia, that type of stuff, and the amount of walking we do on uneven ground. And, and they're trying to address this all the way down to the playground level now. They're really starting to walk into it. So adventure sports that require you to deal with you know, stuff where you need to think about how to move your body in a, in an irregular environment. Um, they're real healthy for you. Yeah. That's interesting. You think about how many calculations they have to, you know, I mean, billions of calculations, they have to have a computer perform just to get a robot to do that. And you know, what you're saying, what you're pointing out is our, that's what our brains are doing. So it's a, it is a, a premium exercise for our brains to do something like that. That's a good point. So how would you say climbing and what you've done in your past as far as mountain guiding, how would you say it benefits society? Well, I'd say the number one drum that I bang around that one is uh, it probably plays back into the values even that uh, are in, in our company. But I would say the the primary thing is I see us becoming a society that it makes fear-based decisions. So we're told not to buy this because this will hurt us. We're told not to do that because that will hurt us. We can't let our kids uh, play in the playground because someone's going to snatch them. Um, you know, we're very much uh, marketed to with fear. And I think that um, if we want to improve um, as individuals in our contribution to society, I think we need to engage in activities that, push us outside of our comfort zone and thereby make us uh, maybe a little bit braver, maybe a little bit less afraid because we've learned something about our, ourselves. And then the decisions that we're going to make in society are not going to be based so much on fear. They're going to be healthy, clear decisions. And I think the more of that that we have, the better our society will be as a result. I really do. Well, that's a great answer. I think that's one of the best yet. Oh, great. Tell me how I rate at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Our listeners will do that. Okay. 
All right. How about a funny story? Is there you've had a lot of experience in 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 your background in climbing and and running in an uh, element park? What about a funny experience? What what can we leave our listeners with putting a smile on their face? Well, I mean, having all that adventure, you have a ton of good laughs. I, I think one of the funniest um, things that I uh, had for a good haha would have been after climbing a, a really big uh, wall in, I guess it was in Red Rocks in Nevada with my climbing partner, who is also my business partner um, and best friend. And uh, so we've done this big wall. There's all kinds of really hard climbing on it. And, you know, it really, for me personally, it, it kind of took me to, to the edge a bunch. Um, there were some very frightening things on it. Um, you know, there were parts of it that were X-rated. So I'm climbing that's like not good, you know, not, not a, not, there's no accommodation for falling off of it. So we go all the way up this thing and it takes many hours. We get all the way back down and we're cleaning up our climbing racks and, and, uh, my partner basically leans over to me and he pushes the, he, like he's going to hand me a carabiner. He says, I think this is one of yours. And he hands it to me. And so as I take it, he pulls it back. Well, the carabiner comes right in half in my hands. Right? Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so the butter had gone and cut it with a bolt cutter earlier in the day. We didn't use it while we we're climbing, but he had this all mapped out in advance. <laughs> okay. What he was going to do was mess with me at the end of the day. I almost crapped my pants. Like, I'll bet. I, I just, I, and then we laughed for hours and hours and hours after that. It was, uh, it was a beauty. But, you know, that feeling in your stomach, like, oh, my God, I can't believe I climbed on that. Wow. That beats the exploding golf ball, that's for sure. It was a beauty, yeah. And that was, uh, I still owe him for that, actually, yeah. I never did get him back on that one. I'll have to do that. Well, you do that, and I want to hear the story about how you got him back. I'm rooting yep. for you there. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so um, let's go back to Wild Play real quick. Uh, we discussed pre-podcast about people in groups and their ability to get a discount with you guys. Um, one, what is considered a group? And two, how would they go about that? Uh, usually groups for us are sort of 10 and more. But, you know, if folks are kind of in around that number, we'll sort something out for them. If, if folks call us and, and say they'd like to book a group and they mention the Adventure Sports Podcast, um, our folks will take care of them. And I've let the teams know that. And uh, uh, if there's ever uh, someone missing that, you can just uh, you can find me through the company directory and I'll make sure it gets taken care of. But our, our people are real good. They'll make sure that something gets done for you. Okay, great. We really appreciate that. And, you know, I think there's a, a really neat tie between this podcast and your company. Uh, as you said earlier, the, the whole point of your company is to give people a taste, a sampling of adventure sports, and then let them go off and explore more. And that's the whole point of the adventure sports podcast is we, you know, we want people to listen and while they're commuting to and from work or doing work around the house, we, w we also want to give them that little shot, that little uh, excitement shot so they can uh, get the feel for wanting to go out and try new adventure sports or other adventure sports alongside what they currently do. So how can people find you? What is the best way to get in touch with your company? Oh, well, just look up Wild Play at uh, www.wildplay.com and uh, you'll find all of our locations, etc. I'm pretty easy to find through that site. 
you know, you can find the locations near you. They're, they're growing all the time. We're actually, we'll be down in the United States next year and uh, we'll be in Niagara Falls uh, next spring as well. So yeah, lots going on, lots of growth. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I would encourage people to go check out wildplay.com and, and come visit you. It's a phenomenal experience. And I just warn you that you might get addicted to the drug. <laughs> well, the only thing I would say to folks in, in the end of it all is it's not a dress rehearsal. You go out there, experience it. This is your run. Go for it. Well put. We may only have one shot at this. Who knows? We won't know until we're done. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tom, thanks so much for giving us your time for the Adventure Sports Podcast. It was a, a great discussion we had to get today, and I hope that we've enticed people to go out and try new things. Well, I really appreciate you having me on this. It's uh, it's awesome to spread the word uh, more than anything just about people getting out and doing, doing stuff and, and uh, getting the heart rate up and having some fun. I agree. Take care. All right. You too. Thanks for listening to this holiday flashback episode. Be sure to take some time and enjoy some adventure with your family during this holiday season. 